Hello and welcome to this summer edition of Salt and Light Radio. I'm Pedro Guevara Mann. Today we hear a rebroadcast of uh, an interview with Michael Carrera, who talks to us about his Catholic workout. And we also talk to David B. Wright about the 40 Days for Life campaign. Later on, we will listen to music from the group uh, Inipsa of the community of Marie Jeunesse. And we also listen to music from Bob Halligan Jr. But we begin with the Catholic workout. There's no debating that staying in shape is just as important physically as it is spiritually. But so often, with the fast pace of life and the, well, the busyness of life, things like exercise and prayer are the first things to go. Well, if you're one of these people who can't find the time for prayer and fitness, or you feel that it's one or the other, fear no more. There is a new workout just for you. Michael Carrera joins us now to tell us all about it. Michael, welcome to Salt and Light Radio. Oh, thank you, Pedro. Thank you for having me. So the Catholic Workout, mm-hmm. what, what, what's, what's that all about? Well, really, the Catholic Workout, the book and, and the DVD that I have, are really two things. First of all, it's how I had to work out my faith, uh, in, in the, in my, work out my Catholic faith, uh-huh. in particular bringing God from my head to the heart. Uh-huh. And, but besides that, it's actually a workout. I'm a personal trainer. And the Catholic Workout is five exercises that people do, and these five exercises in particular bring people through the Passion of Christ while they recite the Decades of the Rosary. Okay. Um, why why uh, a book and a DVD? Why not just tell people, hey, why don't you pray while you exercise? Like, why does it need to be more than just that? Well, you see, what it is, this is an actual, it's a system. It's a system of integrating prayer and exercise. You see, when you're able to involve the body into movements along with prayer, it actually heightens the level of what it is that you're feeling. So, for example, I'll give you an example. When, yeah. we, when we pray the rosary, we, it's a Latin term known as compositio loci, where we tell people to place themselves in a place. So, for example, we're praying the rosary and we're meditating on the sorrowful mystery. So we're praying with our mind, with our heart, with our soul, and we're seeing the events of what's going on right. in the passion of Christ. Right. When you add the body to it, you're adding the level of feeling to it. Uh-huh. So you're better able to understand and feel, even at a very minute level, at what the Lord went, to on, uh, went through on that day. Now, we tell our kids all the time in sports, leave it on the field. In essence, we say, give it all you got and don't look back. Well, what the Lord, I feel, is telling us is to leave it at the foot of the cross. So really, when you're praying and you're involving your body also in some sort of a system of prayer where you're able to exert yourself and then stop and meditate, it's elevating that level of awareness. So but is there anything specific about the types of physical exercise that you've chosen for a particular mystery, let's say, of the rosary? Yeah, or no, does no, it matter? Yeah, that's a very good question. See, for example, there is, th- there is that whole notion of you can choose any exercise. But these five exercises are actually movements that mimic some point in the passion of Christ. So, for example, the first exercise, which is a regular fitness exercise that I use with my clients all the time, but it's called the scourging and, and the nailing of the hands. Uh-huh. So you're actually going through the movement and placing your body, not only as the event of what actually happened, but actually going through the movement and imagining the movement of what was happening at that moment. And then you go to the nailing of the feet, and then you go to the removal of the body from the cross, and then you finally end with the resurrection and ascension to heaven. So there's different notions that you go through through the passion so that you're actually bringing your body into it versus simply doing a physical exercise and trying to meditate on it. So you're actually moving your body to the motion. So because, because the exercise uh, sort of mimics an aspect of the motion, 
it helps you enter into the mystery more so than if I was just swimming and with every lap I do uh, uh, say Hail Mary. Right, exactly, which is also good. Yeah. See, which is also very good. But what we're trying to do here is really trying to integrate it in the best way possible so that what I am concentrating on and to stop distraction so that I can keep my focus on Christ. And that's why, for example, you do an exercise and then you go ahead and you pray the three prayers of the rosary before you move on. to It's, it's, it's a whole decade of the rosary that you pray through with each, with each exercise. But there's something even more specific than that. The repetitions that I chose, for example, 11 repetitions per set, really signifies the first 11 priests when the Lord broke the bread for the first time. Oh. And then you repeat that three times. So now we have three times 11, we have 33, which mm-hmm. is the age of the Lord's death. And then with the number three also, you have the Trinity. So this whole process is trying to place their heart their mind, their soul, and their body at that point to try and minimize distraction as much as possible and to try and keep your focus on what it is you're trying to achieve. Right, and you're not, uh, and just to clarify, so, so you're not praying while you're doing the exercise you, you, it's, it's, a, it's a cycle. You do a set of exercises, pause, say the prayer. Exactly. Is that how it works? Exactly. So if I were to give you an example of the, the first part of the rosary, which is we have the Apostles' Creed, and then we have the three Hail Marys and, and the Glory Be, that's the warm-up. That roughly takes three minutes. Yeah. So if I can give you an example of one decade, you would start off with the Our Father prayer in silence without moving. You uh-huh. would say the Our Father, the Our Father, without movement, sorry, with, you would say the Our Father prayer. Then you would do one set of the exercise of 11 repetitions. Then you would pause and say three Hail Marys. Then you would do the second set, do pause, say the, another three Hail Marys, uh-huh. and then you do the third set, and then that would leave us the, four, the last four Hail Marys and the closing prayers of the decade before right. starting decade two. Right. Okay, I get it. Now, just a note for anyone joining the program at this time, you're listening to Salt and Light Radio. I'm Pedro Guevara, man. We're speaking with uh, uh, personal trainer and author Michael Carrera about his new uh, book and DVD set, uh, The Catholic Workout. Now, it's, it's called Catholic. Mm-hmm. It's the rosary. So who's this for? If I'm not Catholic, am I left out because I can't? Or can I adapt it to any other prayer? See, that's a a very good question. I actually address that in the book. Mm -hmm. See, when you you break it down, what unites all Christians is the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And that's why we concentrate on the Passion. So if someone wants to do the exercise while while not reciting the prayers of the Rosary, they can choose to do whatever prayers they'd like in that. So I tell people, for example, if the Our Father prayer, if there's other Christian prayers that you like, as long as you give yourself roughly 40 seconds in between sets, that's enough so you actually have a good physical workout along with make it, making it much more prayerful. And that's really the thing that I want people to understand about this workout, is that the workout is supported physiologically. It's the type of workout that is the best of what you can do in terms of intensity for your body. But then we added the spiritual dimension for it. And really, so you don't have to function under the notion of all or none. I either work out or I, or I pray. You can really have it all in one. And the way we make it all in one is by really focusing on the passion of Christ in particular. So even if someone is not Catholic, they can still do the workout because the events still bring them through the passion of Christ, which is really what unites us as Christians. And I see something about the physicalness of the passion, but if people wanted to do the joyous mysteries or the glorious or luminous... Oh, that, sure, of course. And once again, I also say that. I mean, it's really bringing people through the decades of the rosary. And that's why I call it, it's not really, it is a workout, but I call it more it's a system of prayer that uh-huh. integrates the physical with the spiritual. So, for example, you know, a month down the road, if someone wants to try a different exercise, they simply have to put the exercises in according to where I place them in the categories. So they can use whatever exercises they want, and they can use whatever mysteries that they want. But the heart of the Catholic workout, of what's delivered me in understanding and in truly embracing the depthness of our faith, 
was concentrating on the passion of Christ, right. which is why I directed the book in that, in right. that way. Now, um, you've been doing this for a long time. You're a personal trainer. You're a, uh, an exercise physiologist. We're not exactly sure what that means, <laughs> but it sounds important. Um, um, you mentioned earlier that you that this was a way that you it helped you bring your faith into your into balance with your professional life. Mm -hmm. If I maybe I'm paraphrasing a little yeah, bit. So how how did you come to that? I mean, were you struggling as a as a Catholic to bring your faith into your into your professional life? Or you know what I, I was I was struggling with something I call the dichotomy of insight. See, in my mind, I wanted salvation. In my mind, I wanted the Lord. I wanted to embrace the Lord. I wanted to have a life filled with the Lord. But then there was the struggles of humanity. There was the temptations of the world. The, the notion of I can't bring Jesus with me to the boardroom, and that's really where I suffered. Saying, how am I possibly going to live a Christian life in this world? And I struggled with that. And I know we are all called to evangelize. But how was I going to do that? Was I going to lose clients? Were they not going to take me on because I'm, I'm Catholic, because I'm Christian? Are they going to yeah. think that I'm out of my mind? And really, that's the struggle that I had. But it was only when I finally came to embracing and opening my heart up and really letting go and trusting in God that I saw that the best way that, that I could, I'm going to use the word fix this problem for myself, yeah. was to try and combine what I know which is the physical aspect of it, my, my, my vocation, mm -hmm. with, with what I love, which is the Lord. So really, I stopped studying God, and I started to love God. And mm -hmm. once I was able to do that, I was able to bring what I do in the outside world with what I believe in my heart. And that really was the birth of the Catholic workout. And how's it going? Are you finding that once this integration is perfected in your own life, that it's actually helping? Well, it helped me. I mean, obviously, it's helped me physically because it's, it's physical. It's the fitness, it's fitness principles that, that apply to the workout. But it's tremendous, tremendously helped me um, spiritually because what I really lacked in was gratitude. Hmm. I spent so much time looking at what I didn't have that I forgot of how much I did have. And I tell you one thing, that when you exercise and you're hurting and you're sweating and you're increasing your heart rate and you're placing your mind on the event that has forever shocked and revolutionized the world, you can feel nothing but ultimate gratitude. Yeah, and it brings you one with the Lord and it revitalizes you and gives you new life for what it is that you need to do. You know what? I, it makes perfect sense to me. I hope it does to our listeners. Um, enough to make them want to uh, find out more. Um, we've been speaking with Michael Carrera. He is an exercise physiologist, a personal trainer, and author. His newest book, The Catholic Workout, it's a book DVD set, um, helping you build your body and build your faith. Um, you can find out more about The Catholic Workout and, uh, or, or how to purchase it at the website, thecatholicworkout.com. We'll, we'll put a link on that uh, on our site. Also, if you can't remember, thecatholicworkout.com. Um, Michael, thank you so much. Oh, thank you, Pedro. It's been great speaking with you, and uh, hopefully we'll, uh, <laughs> I'm going to have to start working out, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, I was just going to ask our listeners that now it's, it's, it, it, we'd like to hear from you. It's your turn. Tell us how you pray and work out. Some people swim, like I said. Some people, you know, maybe write us, radio at saltandlighttv.org, and let us know how you pray, how you integrate your prayer and your exercise. Here now is our featured group of the week in Ipsa with a song from their new album, Etre Là. Uh, the song is Etre Là, Où Tu Es. That means be there where you are. Yeah. 
Je suis 
You're listening to Salt and Light Radio, heard on the Catholic Channel and on the internet at saltandlighttv.org slash radio. I'm Pedro Guevara Man. And that was in Ipsa with Etre là où tu es, which means be there where you are, from their new album Etre là. In Ipsa is the musical group of the community of Marie Jeunesse, um, a new community founded in Quebec in the early 80s with a spirituality that centered around Mary and the Eucharist. And Jennifer Lee is a member of the community of Marie Jeunesse, and she joins us now to tell us more. Jennifer, welcome back to Salt and Light Radio. Thank you, Pedro. It's a joy to be here. Yeah, no, it's good to have you. Um, so can you uh, maybe explain, because uh, I think I was even confused. So Inipsa, because yes. I even said it's the musical group, but it's not the only musical group of the community, because you have a choir. Yes, you're right. And then Inipsa is, has a very particular, I guess, mandate, maybe. Is that fair to say? Yes, that's very fair to say. Um, I'd say that Inipsa was also, it began in the 80s at the same time as a community. Uh-huh. Um, it's more of a praise and worship group um, that kind of started simply just to help uh, the praise of the young people that were uh, gathered at different, uh, there were different gatherings in the beginning of Marie Jeunesse. Okay. And so um, I think... Um, I, I won't say that it would be completely apart from Marie-Jeunesse, but it's a special group that's there to evangelize through um, a little more upbeat kind of music um, and to share the joy of believing in Christ. Okay, so they're doing uh, music for mainly for young people. That's, that's not to say that older people can't participate uh, <laughs> or to say that Marie-Jeunesse doesn't serve the young people, but Inipsa does. <laughs> Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yes. Um, um, I've heard also that older people listen to the CD. W- we thought it would be more like for the young people, but m- a lot of elderlies prefer listening to the Inipsa CD, and they tell us that there's oh, really? a lot of, uh, they, that they could connect to a lot of songs. Really? Yes. Um, the, 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 the name, Inipsa, what does it mean? It means in her, um, in the Catholic Church, but also in Mary. So throughout even the j- just the title of the group, and we could find the spirituality of Marie Jeunesse um, in the contemplative way of singing and playing music, and also in the evangelizing. Okay, cool. And and this recording, w- it was it was it's a live recording. Obviously, I mean you can tell it's live. So yeah. it was uh, was there a, a reason behind doing it live or? Um, I think it was just to help other people, well anybody that would be listening to the CD, to come and participate in our kind of daily praise and worship night what it would look like ah. um, at the same time it is live but it would be different than um, a live that we would think of like in a huge stadium and right. 30,000 people screaming or anything there's a, um, an intimate ambience in the CD yeah. that kind of helps you um, it's like as if like we're opening the door to our community and that the people that listen kind of enter our, our prayer style our, they could taste our spirituality um, and even in Inipsa, it's kind of like the intimate to be, in a way, stuck uh, to put our, our head on the chest of Jesus. And um, mm. we kind of feel like the family uh, ambience. Right. Now, you said, you mentioned that there's a, did you say a weekly praise and worship evening? Um, yes. Well, once in a while, we, we would do, uh, like, if, um, maybe on Thursdays, we'd, we'd gather, not necessarily with Inipsa, but um, to praise and worship, um, Music is very important in the community. Yes. So, yeah. <laughs> okay, right. And 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 the whole community. But the, you're, I mean, you're in Sherbrooke. So is Inipsa based in the Sherbrooke community, or are they in both? 
Um, I'd say Inipsa, the group, would be um, mainly located in Sherbrooke. Uh-huh. Um, uh, at at Lille de la Réunion, they have another group, a musical group that helps also okay. um, in Belgium also. But Inipsa kind of stays for um, the formation house or the mother house in Sherbrooke. Okay, and so Sherbrooke is the mother house. Okay, just a note for anyone joining the program at this time. You're listening to Salt and Light Radio. I'm Pedro, and we're speaking with Jennifer Lee. She's a member of the community of Marie Jeunesse, La Famille Marie Jeunesse. And we're talking about the band in Ipsa and their new album, Etre La. So I'm curious. So it's a, it's a band. Does it work? Does it function as a band? Like who writes the music? I, I, I had a sense that this album was different than some of the previous albums. Yeah. Almost as if the music was written by someone else or arranged by someone else. Is that, uh, is it more of a collaborative effort or how does it work? Yes, it is. Uh, most of the music is group composition. Uh-huh. So even uh, the words, the music, uh, the back vocals, uh, the instruments, the different ways of playing, everything would be together as a group of Inipsa. Uh-huh. Um, at this point, I think it would be interesting for the people to know that Inipsa is not just um, a few members that stay throughout the years. But Inipsa is kind of like in the community, so even the members kind of like rotate. So people come and go. Yes, um, which is different to other, I don't know, any mu- other musical group. Like, for example, if I would say the Beatles, if one of the Beatles go yeah, away. Yeah, yeah, th- then the Beatles are no more. Yes. Um, I, was, uh, I, I was thinking of that because when I met Inipsa yes. in 2001, mm-hmm. when we were preparing for World Youth Day, I mean, probably none of those members are there now. Yes. Um, in that way, Angel, um, Andriane, which is kind of like uh, the person that helps, I would say, the leader, and uh, Emmanuel, um, kind of like um, say that, that Inipsa is like a school for music. Okay. Um, more than just, some people would join Inipsa without even knowing how to play, for example, the bass or uh-huh. any other instrument, uh-huh. and they would learn with the other members um, how to praise the Lord through an instrument that they'll start to learn and, and practice. Okay, I was wondering about that because I always think of my jeunesse and I think, well, you, you have to be musically inclined to even qualify <laughs> to join. You know, it's yeah. like everything's a musical and, and the, the, the people who do the step dancing, is like, how is it that they all can dance? Um, it's just, uh, so obviously it's not a requirement. Uh, we understand why music is important, I think. Yeah. So uh, people... I mean, obviously someone like you, you're a keyboard player, you're a piano player. You obviously knew how to play the piano before you joined Marie Jeunesse. Yes. But someone who doesn't know an instrument might join the community and say, hey, I want to be part of the band and learn. Mm-hmm. So that's possible. Um, it is possible, but at the same time, I think um, Inipsa is also a ministry that the community asks a person to join. Oh, okay. So obedience. Um, also throughout the, the ministry of, of praise and worship, uh, that doesn't um, that doesn't stop one person to start learning the piano, for example, or yeah, et yeah, yeah. Um, But the mission of Inipsa would be more like a, a, the a, a kind of community starts and praise on top of some people, and they would see, okay, well, um, we'll ask these people to join Inipsa for this year or for the next two years or whatever. Okay, <coughs> a- and ha- uh, how many members does Inipsa have at, at any given time, more or less? Um, it could go, f- in the beginning there were maybe, I don't know, 5, 10, but now they're close to 15 people. Oh, really? So it's a big group? Yes, it is a big group. Okay, so, and, and the, I mean, obviously you can, uh, you can hear in the recording, you can hear, you know, there's a violin or maybe two violins and there's bass and drums and all that, electric guitar, so just any instruments that might be available? Yes. You'd have? Yes. And any number of singers? 
yes, as well. Also. Um, what's also interesting about this CD is that um, by the fact that it was registered, recorded live, uh-huh. the whole community was participating uh, at this recording. So right. in the background, you could kind of hear the little shouting and encouraging yes, can, of our brothers can. and sisters for you the can. group. It's a great, great album. I, I, I uh, when it was given to me, I heard it and I thought, oh, this is great. It, it's I, as I said, it's it's got a different feel than than the previous recordings. It's uh, I, I agree with you about the intimate. It, it's it feels like it's a live event, but it feels intimate. It it's it's conducive to 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 prayer and worship. So I, I think you guys are doing a good work. Good Thank good job. So um, so people, uh, the the proceeds from the purchase of the CD goes to support the community and your ministries, right? Um, it was mainly done for uh, to help us finance the World Youth Days. Okay. Um, so for next like, year. Yeah, we'd like to go all together to Madrid this year. Uh-huh. So uh, the proceedings for the CD would will help us go to the World okay. Youth Days. Okay. So so great. So if people want to support the community of Marijanes to go to World Youth Day in Madrid next year, buy the CD. Um, Jennifer, that's all the time we have. But thank you so much for joining us today on Salt and Light Radio and to telling us a little bit more about uh, La Famille Marijanes. Thank you very much, Ipsa, And say hello to everyone over in Sherbrooke. Yes, I will. <laughs> okay, take care. Thank you. That was Jennifer Lee, a member of the community of Marie Jeunesse. She spoke to us from their, from their uh, mother house in Sherbrooke, Quebec. You can find out more about Marie Jeunesse or about the band Inipsa and how to purchase the music at their website. It's Marie, M-A-R-I-E, dash, Jeunesse, J-E-U-N-E-S-S-E dot org. We're going to put that link up on our webpage as well, saltandlighttv.org slash radio. Now here now is Inipsa with their new song from the new album, 100% Fils de Dieu, which means 100% Son of God. Mystère de la foi, invisible à nos sens, chérissant de l'amour, incroyable présence. Ce que tiennent nos doigts, le voile sans nuance, mon Seigneur et mon roi, majesté sans défense.
most high in inherent disguise. Rain will disappear. Your God, whom I adore, love sacred mystery. Firstly, I'm in awe. Look on the cross as you pour out your blood. You saved me, gave me your infinite love. I am holy, Lord, Son of God. Holy Lord, source of life. Jesus, you redeemed us. Holy Lord, Son of God. Holy Lord, source of life. Pauvre, tu aimes à tout donner, pardonner toutes fautes, briser l'obscurité. Que ta lumière brille, ô oh Dieu de liberté, des illusions faciles. Seigneur, viens nous sauver. Tu m'as aimé jusqu'à verser ton sang. Welcome to part two of Salt and Light Radio on Pedro Guevara Man. Now listen to this. Prayer, silence, and fasting. Not very exciting, right? Abortion, not something people want to talk about? Well, check it out. Over 350,000 people in all 50 U.S. states, Canada, Australia, Northern Ireland, and Denmark have joined in for this. More than 11,500 church congregations have participated. More than 850 news stories have been featured in newspapers, magazines, radio shows, and TV programs. Five abortion facilities have been shut down because of it. 35 abortion workers have quit their jobs because of it. And it's reported that 2,811 lives have been saved from abortion. That's the 40 Days for Life campaign. And to tell us all about it, we are joined now by the founder and national director of 40 Days for Life, David B. Wright. David, welcome to Salt and Light Radio. Oh, Pedro, thank you so much for having me on today. Okay, so it's not... I, I'm, I'm hoping that most of our listeners are familiar with 40 Days for Life, but they might not know how it started. I, I was even surprised that it's really only been three years. It seems like it's been going on forever. It's like such a part of our lives. So how did it start? <laughs> well... 40 Days for Life really began, Pedro, with just one simple thing, and that was an hour of prayer. 
And some people think that, oh, we're just kind of exaggerating that. No, it really was an hour of prayer. It was a day back in the late summer of 2004 uh-huh. when a good friend of mine, Sean Carney, his wife, Mary Lee, right. who I worked with in local pro-life efforts, yeah. another young lady, we were frustrated because we had a local abortion facility in the town where we lived in Texas, and the abortion numbers were nearing 2,000 since that facility had opened. And we were just devastated because we didn't know what to do to stop this tragedy. And so out of frustration, we realized since we didn't have the answer, we needed to look to a different source for the answer. Uh And so literally around an old wooden table, we spent one hour in focused prayer asking God to show us what we could do to help bring an end to this tragedy. I always warn people now from my experience, be careful when you pray those kind of prayers because God really will answer them many times. So from that hour, the first thing that we really felt convicted about was that we needed to do something for the time frame of 40 days. And when we read throughout biblical history, we see over right. and over again that time frame is yeah. incredibly significant. Yeah. You know, think about Moses was, uh, you know, out uh, in the wilderness for at, on years. Mount Sinai yeah. yes. for 40 days, yes. or Noah was on the ark for 40 days, or Jesus was out the, yep. uh, on his own for 40 days prior to beginning his public ministry. Mm-hmm. Many times God uses that time frame to bring about transformation. Right. And when we look at our world today, when we look at the abortion crisis in Canada, across the United States, around the world, we recognize that we are really in a crisis and we need transformation. So that was where the 40-day time frame came from. Okay. And then still during that hour of prayer, the three things that we felt led to do, number one was to pray and fast for an end to abortion. Mm-hmm. Prayer because we know that with God all things are possible, mm-hmm. and fasting because we know that some demons can only can be driven I, out through yes. prayer and fasting. Yes. Secondly was the constant vigil outside of these abortion facilities where lives are at risk, because that is where we go to save lives. You know, We go to where they're at the greatest risk to intercede and to try to save lives, and many times people quietly praying outside of these places, that is enough to bring about a change of heart in a young woman who's about to make the worst decision of her life, a decision for abortion. And many times she will choose life because people are praying there. And the third and final thing during that hour of prayer we felt led to do was conduct grassroots outreach, spreading this sanctity of life message to everybody we could, friends and family and Mm -hmm. fellow believers going door to door, speaking in churches and schools, whatever we could to spread the word. That hour of prayer was what launched that first 40 Days for Life campaign, just an independent effort in that one Texas town, and then as you cited, now this effort has spread uh, across all 50 American states, six Canadian provinces, multiple other countries, and we're just in awe at what God has accomplished. So, but that you had you had that that first local campaign in 2004 in yep. Texas. How did? But the first major national campaign was 2007. That's correct. When we did that first one in 04, we were absolutely exhausted when it finished. We had seen over a thousand people get involved. Abortions were reduced in that town by 28 percent. But we had just felt like we climbed Mount Everest and and down again, <laughs> yeah. and just felt that we could we couldn't do it again. And thought nobody else would be crazy enough to do this. But one by one, other cities began to duplicate what they had seen from College Station, Texas. Okay. And they saw similar results. So it was in the fall of 2007 that we finally said, gee, God's doing something here. Maybe we should join him in the work that he's doing. Let's coordinate. And that was when yeah. we organized the first national and now international 40 Days for Life. Right. Okay. Just to know for anyone that might be joining at this time, you're listening to Salt and Light Radio. My name is Pedro, and we're speaking with David B. Wright. He's the uh, founder and national director of the 40 Days for Life uh, campaign. Pain. Now, David, how did you, I mean, you obviously were already doing pro-life work before 2004 when, when you had your little prayer session. So how did you get involved? 
great question. I never really wanted to be involved. I was raised in a <laughs> Nobody Christian does. home that uh, never talked about abortion. The church I grew up in never mentioned abortion. And it wasn't until I met my now wife, Margaret, of 18 years, that she started talking to me about being raised in a Catholic family down in South Texas, where they, every weekend, would go out and pray outside of abortion facilities in wow. Corpus Christi. And they saw one by one these different facilities start closing until eventually they were all gone. And when she shared that with me, I was a little bit convicted, but I thought, you know, I don't know, I don't want to get involved. And then that Planned Parenthood abortion facility opened in the town I lived in, in College Station, Texas. And so I started first to volunteer with Margaret, my wife, and then over time we just really felt convicted this is what we were supposed to do. And so it was in 2001 that I resigned my job in the business world. I was working in the pharmaceutical industry, uh-huh. and I just really felt convicted that, you know, one day I'm going to have to answer to my children and ultimately to God about what I did or didn't do to respond to our call to speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. So I quit my job, and we've been working full-time in the pro-life movement since 2001. Yeah. How do you find, as a man, I sometimes feel that, that I, 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 it's thrown in my face, well, it's, I, I don't have a say because I'm a man, right. and this is a woman's issue. How, how do you... Uh, How do you deal with that one? Well, the first thing I always come back to is, number one, every child I've ever met has both a mother and a father. So every child conceived in the womb, made in God's image and likeness, there was a man involved in that. And so men are equally as affected by abortion. The number two thing I think about is the overwhelming majority of abortionists are men. And the pro-abortion movement that is always trying to say men should stay out of this, never tell that to all these male abortionists who are doing these abortions in these facilities across our countries. The third and final thing is I have met so many men who have been abandoned to lives of regret. They fathered a child that ultimately was destroyed through abortion, Mm -hmm. and it devastated them, sometimes Mm -hmm. emotionally, psychologically, spiritually. I've met many, many men who have been devastated by an abortion experience. This is a crisis, a human rights crisis that affects every member of the human family, mm-hmm. and we all have a responsibility in standing up and speaking up for those who can't speak for themselves. Right, right. Um, you mentioned earlier that some demons can only be driven out through prayer and fasting. Right. And I, I, I mean, I, I love that. I think it's a, it's a, <laughs> that's a mission right there. But is abortion, I mean, when we abortion, uh, the demon of abortion, is that a f- an accurate um, representation? You know, why does abortion require such a mobilization? Well, the first thing we have to recognize is that abortion at its root, this is a spiritual crisis. Um, you know, when you think about biblical history, we realize that anytime you destroy the life of an innocent person, that is an affront to God. That is why one of the Ten Commandments is, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not murder. That is something very foundational. We also know that from the very beginning, God has said, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And he talks about how every child is made in his image and likeness. So God does not accept abortion, and we have to recognize that undermining all of this, it's a spiritual crisis. I have seen so many things as I've been in former abortion facilities where I've met people who are spiritually devastated by an abortion experience to know that at its root, this is a spiritual struggle, and therefore we must first and foremost combat it with spiritual weapons. And prayer and fasting are at the forefront of those things. Mm -hmm. Now, I will say, Pedro, that The first time I ever fasted was during that 40 Days for Life back in 2004. I had never fasted in my life, but yet I knew in Scripture that was something we were supposed to do as believers. Uh And during that campaign, I thought, oh, I'm going to get involved, we're going to transform the world through our fasting. What I didn't know is that through my fasting, 
I would be transformed, and God would use that time to change me, and then through that, then he would begin to transform the world around us. So sometimes God uses prayer and fasting to get to us first, Mm -hmm. and then to the world around us. Interesting. That's great to remember. David, that's all the time we have, but I know that you're busy traveling around the country. The campaign is going on right now, and uh, so you're going to be in Canada November 5th. Uh, in Ontario for the Halton Pro-Life fundraiser. So I'd like to just invite any of our listeners who are in that area, the Halton region in Ontario, Hamilton, Oakville, Burlington, even Toronto, they can go out. If you want to hear David speak, uh, you can find out more at the Halton Pro-Life website, haltonprolife.com. David's going to be there November 5th at the Halton Pro-Life fundraiser. David, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure to finally connect with you and, and meet you on the phone and to have you on the program. Well, keep, thank you so keep much, up Pedro. The good work. God bless you and your vital work. You too. too. Thank you very much. Um, the current 40 Days for Life campaign began on September 22nd, and it continues until October 31st. And to find out if it's taking place uh, in your city or anywhere near you, check out their website, 40daysforlife.com. So that's the number 40, 40daysforlife.com. Um, In Canada, it's taking place in Calgary, Edmonton, Winnipeg, Moncton, Halifax, Ottawa, Sudbury, and Perth, Ontario, and in Montreal. Um, So hopefully you can uh, go out, check it out, support it. If you can't find a location near you, you can always sit around your table and pray and fast because you don't need to be in front of the abortion facility to pray and fast. So uh, hopefully everybody can join in. And we like to hear from you. Write to us. Tell us what your experience with the 40 Days for Life is or any experiences with any pro-life campaign. Tell us what you think. Write to us at radio at saltandlighttv.org. Here now is our featured band of the week, Kaylee Rain, with the title track from their album, I Made Lemonade. Situations 
You're listening to Salt and Light Radio, heard on the Catholic Channel and on the internet at saltandlighttv.org slash radio. I'm Pedro Guevara Man, and that was Kaylee Rain with their song, I Made Lemonade, from their latest album of the same title, I Made Lemonade. Now, one of the first bands, uh, first Catholic bands that I heard that were making mainstream Catholic music was Kaylee Rain. I remember once that they came to Kitchener, Ontario, and they played a concert with... Uh, local band Critical Mass and I was very very impressed I w- in, uh, maybe impressed is, is not the right way I was blown away their, their upbeat blend of Celtic and rock music was infectious but it was their subtle but sincere gospel message that I felt it was all about um, Kaylee Rain founder and lead singer guitarist front man Bob Halligan Jr. joins us now on Salt and Light Radio Bob welcome to Salt and Light Radio Thank you, Pedro, and I don't know that I can pronounce your name the way you did, so forgive me for being a... That's okay. You know, that, I guess that makes me a gringo. That's okay. No, <laughs> no. As long as, we're, as long as we're all pronouncing Kaylee Rain <laughs> properly. No, it's... Uh, you know, we, we uh, played at the Christian Festival um, Kingdom Bound yes. this past August, yeah. and the fellow who... It, the act who was on it before us, and I can't tell you who that was yeah finished up and the fellow gets on the mic and he says okay now next up is going to be cecil rain oh that's and terrible. i went running up onto the stage because after 15 years of experiencing the the downside of naming our group with uh an unpronounceable gaelic word yeah c-e-i-l-i yeah is pronounced kaylee um i i'm you know i don't really hold back anymore and and I said, you got to straighten that out. It's not Cecil. And he <laughs> said, well, are you Kaylee? And, it's, you know, I, he thought the whole thing was funny. And, uh, I, you know, after the fact, we can laugh about it. But in the moment, it's it's a shame yeah. to have six guys introduced as Cecil. Yeah, no, that's not that's <laughs> not funny. Um, so Kaylee Rain, for people who don't know anything about Gaelic or anything like that, what Kaylee, what does it mean? What does it refer to? Well, a Kaylee is is like a party if if you imagine a wedding reception, yeah, an all ages type of gathering with live music and dancing and general merriment. Uh, that's what a Kaylee is. But it's also a kissing cousin of the word Chaley, the Latin C O E L I, which means heaven, like yeah. celestial. Yes. Yeah, meaning of heaven. Yes. And then the rain part was brought in to rhyme with Kaylee and to also create some balance, uh, because into every life some rain must fall. So uh, hmm. th- bring it all together, and it means a downpour of heavenly partiness. <laughs> so it, it's like pretty much everything we do. It's it's subtle, and you know that's kind of the good news and the bad news. Yeah, neat. So it's a play on words with Chaley, Kaylee. Yep. But Kaylee being nice, I like it. Um, so you've been you've been at this for for a long time, not just with Kaylee. I mean, Kaylee Rain itself is what fifteen years old. That's exactly right. Is it? So, but even before Kaylee Rain, you've been doing all kinds of uh, songwriting for all kinds of different people. Played with uh, other groups since you were a teenager yourself. Yep. Um, so in a way, not that I want to go way back to the beginning, to the genesis of Bob Halligan, but y- what was growing up like in the Halligan household? Well, uh, I was an only child. I was, I was uh, briefly, I was adopted huh. um, at age two months from Our Lady of Victory, which is not too far from where you guys are in Lackawanna, New York, near Buffalo. Right. Um, uh, and the, 
the priest there whose name is escaping me right now, Father right. Baker. Yeah. Um, there, there's talk of maybe he'll be canonized at some point because he did some pretty radical stuff, some miraculous stuff in his endeavors. But right. um, I was an only child. I went to Catholic school through high school, and I fortunately um, was I, I played at the folk masses. Now, this is going back to the late 60s, yeah. so the original folk masses. Yeah, yeah. And Kumbaya, and they'll know we are Christians yeah. by our love, and all that stuff. Yeah. And I could transpose the songs without a capo and this and that. And mm-hmm. So a remark was passed to me by the music teacher that he thought I was pretty sharp, so I tried writing a song in 1968 when I was 15 years old, and it just flew out of me, and I kind of assumed that that was my ticket to to becoming myself. And so I've, I've sort of followed that, and when I, when I talk now, Pedro, to, uh, for example, a week and a half ago, we were in North Dakota doing a diocesan youth rally there. Mm-hmm. And in my keynote presentation to the kids, I tell my story a bit, and I say, you know, we're all made uniquely uh, perfect and beautiful, Mm -hmm. and, you know, sort of the corny snowflake theory, but (laughs) that God doesn't do lousy work, and whatever you think about yourself, you're just right, and uh, you just have to kind of discover your the God DNA, the stamp that he put on you for who you are to be and and revel in it and rejoice in it, and that is your, our ministry. So, right, yeah. Now, just a note for anyone joining the program at this time, you're listening to Salt and Light Radio. I'm Pedro, and we're speaking with Bob Halligan from Cayley Rain. Um, wh- were you always strong in your faith? I mean, you went to Catholic school, but that sometimes doesn't mean much. Well, honestly, uh, I, I went through the motions, and um, I, I felt reverent toward it, and I, I loved it, but I didn't crave it. Uh-huh. Um, then when I got married at age 22, my wife Linda did crave the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and she would go to a Wednesday night sort of charismatic prayer thing. This was in 1975. Yeah. And I was jealous. It was kind of like Jesus was the other man. <laughs> and uh, so... That was the point at which I started to seek God out and say, Jesus, hit me with this, uh, you know, crazy God stick that that I've seen other people, you know, I wanted the lightning bolt. And it never came. It was, for me, it's always been one step in front of another. Right. Um, And my my faith is absolutely the center of my life and Mm -hmm. of my household. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, when I talk to kids, I say, you probably think this is creepy, but I talk to God all day long. Hmm. And some of them think it's creepy, and some of them think it's cool. Yeah, and I think that comes out in, in your songwriting, um, subtle though it may be. Yeah. Um, what is your process? I mean, you, that you are a songwriter. You do songwriting workshops. So what, what's your process? Do you pray before you write a song? Um, or do you I, you know, I, I, I pray to Starbucks. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I, you know, I, Pedro... It, there's there's no one way of doing it, but right. I'll just say this: I'll I understand that God has this work for me to do, and I show up for work, and I do I write the song that I believe God gave me to write that day, mm-hmm. and sometimes the the spirituality is very subtle, um, sometimes it's more at the fore, but. Uh, 
I've been called a literature-based writer as opposed to a scripture-based writer. Right. And so it is true that I spend more time um, reading great fiction. And I'm not talking about Jacqueline Suzanne. I mean, mm-hmm. the great writers of our times and previous times mm-hmm. to be inspired and to, to look at their God-given creativity and go, wow, if I could be 8% as good as this guy, I'd really have something. So right. between that and my daily 24-7 relationship with God and thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord, uh, you know, I wear him out. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, I wrote a song called, Lord, It's Me Again. Yeah, you heard right, I send my love to you again. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy, you know, yeah. and it's a bit relentless, but that's, you know, that's my daily regimen. And yeah. so the, the writing process involves God from start to finish, but, um, you know, I kind of, I kind of just let him steer the thing. Right, and then, and and then, whatever daily inspiration, mundane stuff, yeah, as it is. Bob, that's all the time we have. Um, but thank you so much for joining us. I, I hope that this is. Uh, I mean, we've been listening to your music throughout the show, so hopefully, uh, lots of new uh, listeners for Kaylee Rain uh, come out of this show. Um, yes, thank you so much for that. Not a problem, Bob Halligan Jr. of Kaylee Rain. You can get more information and learn how to purchase their music at their website kayleyrain.com and remember kaylee it's c-e-i-l-i rain r-a-i-n dot com we're going to put that link on our webpage as well saltandlighttv.org slash radio um, here now is uh, Bob Halligan and Kaylee Rain with uh, another song from their newest album I Made Lemonade the song is titled I See a Halo and that's it for this week's summer edition of Salt and Light Radio. Remember that you can stream or podcast this show at saltandlighttv.org slash radio. You can also send us emails to radio at saltandlighttv.org. I'll talk to you next week. I'm Pedro Guevara Man, and this has been the summer edition of Salt and Light Radio.